0: This is the Nicopit Studios podcast, and I am your host, Jack Ryan. Today, I'm joined by Ian Foster, our head coach in our Greystone site at Nicopit Studios. I'm excited to talk to Ian about everything training related strength training, resistance training, the health benefits, the performance benefits. Ian is an expert in the true sense of the word, he has a vast education. And a vast amount of experience in this arena. I'm excited to talk to him. I hope you enjoy this three-part series with
1: Head Coach Ian.
0: Welcome back to the Nick Fit Studios podcasts. I'm here once again with Coach Ian Foster. How are you, Ian?
1: Good, thank you, sir. How are you getting on?
0: I'm very well, man. And we are here for part three of our strength training, resistance training, one hundred and one. The journey is the journey is entirely your own. That was a quote from part one that has been sticking with me throughout these uh, throughout these podcasts. And uh, we're going to delve a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of what a journey like that might look like once you're in a, in a gym like Nika Fit, you're, you're, you're lifting weights, you're, you're into your strength training uh, life, and that's just a part of your lifestyle now. What would a well-designed strength training program look like for you? Just in a general sense, how would you pair exercises? What kind of exercises are there for, uh, for strength training uh, for your sort of general general athlete?
1: Yeah. Great question. I think, um, and super pertinent. I mean, it'll help hopefully if you've got any, any kind of coaching, which I'd strongly encourage people to do, um, it'll help you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Or if you're in a situation where you're just training yourself, hopefully this might help you understand how to get the most out out of your training. But, um, what your strength training should look like from like a day-to-day perspective is across your sort of training week, what you want to do, Is touch on sort of as many of the what I would call fundamental patterns as you can. And there's a few different ways to break this down, and there's a couple of different systems. What I, one that I like to use that's really, really simple is it's uh, kind of based on, I guess you could call it like force vectors which is saying that that's going to throw people. I know that's going to scare people straight away. I'm sorry if it did, but um, it's basically the the really simple idea of, you know, pushing away from you and pulling towards you, you know? So we want to train movement patterns, one from the lower body that push away. So that's going to fall into squat type patterns. And then that pull towards you, which is your hip hinge, your deadlift, you're bringing the bar up towards you. Like from, imagine bringing a bar from the floor up towards you, towards your hips, it's kind of a pulling type movement then with that we're gonna have pushing away from you with your upper body but pushing away from me in the sense let's imagine i'm throwing like a chess pass let's think about this in basketball throwing a pass you're pushing something away from you horizontally that's going to be a movement and then counter to that i'm pulling something back towards me but then with my upper body there's also pushing away from me up over my head you know that's like your overhead press style movements And then pulling something back down towards me, which is usually a chin up, you know, pulling down in that direction. So those are six patterns straight away that we want to be touching on, preferably even more than once throughout a week. And we also want to get in some, what I would say, some direct core work and our direct core work. Again, we don't need to touch on every type of direct core work because there's actually quite a lot in there, but it needs to be. And I hate using the functional buzzword, but it needs to kind of fall under that bracket. Look at things that are going to help you get the most, again, most bang for your buck is something we've said a lot, and it's really important to consider, you know, look at like carrying things. Can you carry something without completely swaying or twisting to one side and potentially injuring yourself? Can you maintain a quite solid, stable, dare I say, rigid posture while you're carrying something off to one side, while you're carrying something in front of you? you know, overhead, even as you get more, as you get stronger and build a better foundation. These are all things that should be included somewhere in your program. And then finally include some stuff that's going to hit, um, what we'd say unilateral is the fancy word, but basically single sided or single arm, single leg movements. So if you've been a fit for any length of time, you know, we hit the split squat as an exercise. That's a pattern we use a lot Really, really important. That's almost a pattern in and of itself, but that's super important to include those single leg pushing and where you can single leg pulling exercises. You know, so that would be things like once you develop the capability, you're going to start doing some single leg or DL, single leg Romanian deadlift variations, even a single leg glute bridge, like regressions from those exercises that are going to hit a similar pattern. So there's tons and tons of stuff. That could fill out a good training program, but you want to hit those movement patterns. And then those movement patterns are all what would fall under compound exercises. So the things that I've listed there are stuff that require more than one joint. That's what, when we say a compound exercise, that's what I'm talking about. I'm moving around more than one joint. I'll go to the squat, which is a very kind of, when I say squat, people think of exercise straight away. So I'm bending at my ankles, at my knees, at my hips, you know, depending on what squat variation, there could also be movement in my thoracic spine, in my upper back. I might require my upper body to activate and stabilize. Like if I'm doing a back squat, I need my upper back to contract to create a very strong and stable shell for a barbell. You know, I'm also using my core muscles in a very sort of functional way. And when I say core muscles here, I'm not just referring to my abs. I'm talking about you know, deep stabilizer muscles in my back and sort of at the front and anterior and posterior, whatever way you want to call it, to create stability and strength bracing around my spine so that I can support a lot of load. So that would be the type of exercise, a multi-joint exercise that requires you to use your muscles or different muscle groups in unison in a coordinated fashion because that's how we move every day. We move in coordinated patterns and that's what we want to practice doing in the gym it comes back to practicing producing that force like we talked about back in part one way back when you want to make sure you're practicing within those different movement constraints across your training week because that's then going to give you you know the most bang for your buck both in terms of that fat loss like using as many muscle groups burning as much energy as possible but also developing that strength and capability in as many different directions and as big of a range of motion and in as a coordinated fashion as possible.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic explanation. Uh, I'm sitting here again, taking things on board, even as a a coach has written many programs for gyms like Nick Fit and then also for individuals. Once you understand those movement patterns, uh, the six kind of fundamental ones that you touched on, plus your core work and then your unilateral work, it's very i'm not going to say it. it's easy to develop a program but it certainly makes your life easier you need to tick those boxes as you say probably multiple times a week especially with the bigger exercises like hip hinges squats and unilateral work it needs to be done throughout the week instead of just once a week yeah. would, is the are these concepts that that seem like you've explained it so well they seem so straightforward are those does that form the backbone for someone like you as a head coach of a gym when building a centralized program for 300 plus members
1: Oh, absolutely, and I'm sure it would um, be the same for yourself. You know, I'm cons- when we're writing programs, uh, and when, uh, indeed, when we're both working on them together, I know we're considering, okay, like what can we do? We know someone's coming in three times a week, and we know that's all they need to do. So, what can we do within those three, like honestly, fifty minute periods of time that can hit all of these, like take all of these boxes. And like you said, when we go through a patterns-based approach, you'll actually, and once you understand this, I, I would wager a lot of good programs, you'll start to see they all look, not maybe not the exact same, but they don't look that different. You know, they're all kind of touching these same principles over and over just in different ways and with different little minutiae that are changed, but we're all following the same guidelines. So when I'm building out a program for our members, what I'm looking to do, is build out those patterns, build out their capability and progress their capability within that pattern. Now, what I use capability specifically because I don't just want to be like, oh, you know, get stronger, lift more weights. Grrr. Like that's not that's not training, you know, like yeah. it could be something where I want you to move, you know, improve, like we say, improve your form let's say so i'll I'll come back to the squat example squatting is something that we can all like 99.9 percent of people will know what i'm talking about when i'm saying a squat so when i'm sitting down into that squat there are some technique markers that i'm looking to take just in terms of safety we all move differently we all have different proportions but we all want to be able to maintain what we would say a neutral spine or it looks like a flat back while you perform a squat if you can't do that your progression in the squat is maintaining a flat back it's not in fact i won't give you any more weight because that would be negligent of me to do so i'm not trying to get you stronger in the typical sense but if i get you stronger quote unquote in terms of you know being able to maintain a better posture While you're performing your squat, chances are something did get stronger. There was a muscle group that became more coordinated, or a group of them, even a lot of muscles that got more coordinated and fired more efficiently and worked together to put you in a better position. So now you can support more weight because or support more force because you're in a better position. So yeah, you are, you didn't think it, but you're stronger. Or let's say you're someone who squats, but you can't get all the way down, you can't get your hips down below your knees, which is typically what we're looking for. Well, my argument would be that if I can get you with all those technique markers, nice flat back, our knees are tracking the toes, et cetera, and you're sitting down lower than you were before, you're now stronger in that range of motion. So with your hips that flex, that that angle, your knees at that angle, your ankles at that angle that you're now in, and I say that angle, which is kind of vague, because again, different different for everybody, you're gonna be you're stronger there than you were when you couldn't because now you're in a good squat now you can support more load you can produce more force yourself you know and then there's all those benefits so it's not just the weight itself we're trying to progress in terms of strength we're trying to promote like movement quality you know and the quality of the movement it comes back to the stability those you know moving that in as a safe way as you can while also over time producing more force within those constraints or, again, just being stronger within those constraints.
0: And I think that's just a huge point and, again, so well uh, thought out. You have explained it in such simple terminology. The range of motion is something that people would think is, okay, I need to get more flexible or I need to uh, increase my mobility. Really, you're increasing your strength. Like you say, if you can sit down lower with a flat back and maybe with a little bit of weight in your hand, better than you did the previous week you you, you therefore have become stronger and, and your body is able to support itself in that range of motion i think that's a huge concept to understand for anyone who maybe has stepped into a gym before and has been maybe discouraged by their lack of range of motion or they're not able to do an exercise or their perceived inability to do an exercise and they've maybe just gone down the route of doing lots of stretching and it hasn't yielded the results so I think as well as a broader point, a well-designed strength training program was my initial question. Well, a well-designed strength training program also needs to be implemented by a coach and a coach like yourself who really does understand it. And as you say, can implement it safely and effectively with an individual whose needs could be very, very specific. So that's a very um, that's a fantastic, uh, just a a fantastic uh, uh, answer you've come up with there. And I want to move us now in the direction of when we're talking about strength training, resistance training, we can talk about a few different types of training. We've we touched on it in part two and part one. There's pure strength training, there's hypertrophy, and then there's muscular endurance. Could you kind of, in broad strokes, go over what the difference is in those th- in those three things and how that would fit into a strength training program?
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, well, the first thing I'll say is I'll definitely try to keep this broad stroke so that we're not here for three hours. But um, <laughs> when you talk about those three qualities, um, what I would say first, first, um, they kind of, in terms of training would and uh, resistance training, let's just say lifting weights, to keep this kind of simple for our listeners, they sit kind of on a spectrum. So that spectrum is a sort of a little sort of wave or a fluctuation between your volume, so the amount, the number of repetitions, the number of times that you've done, you know, X movements, we'll say, and the intensity or the, like, how... Again, it comes back to how much force is typically what we mean. How hard was each individual rep or each individual time you did it? How hard was it for you to do it? So with that in mind, if we go to strength, that sits with the lowest amount of volume you're going to need, but the most intensity. So you'll see people are typically training from as little as one rep in each set to probably around like five, maybe six, like kind of there, six would be quite a lot it's sort of at your upper volume in terms of training like strength but that's what you're trying to do you're trying to produce you're trying to train repetitions that are difficult within that range so you're going to need a little bit more weight because if you use again let's go back to Let's use start using some numbers here. We're a little bit more progressive in this conversation. So I'll start putting out some numbers here. And let's say you're an individual who can deadlift 100 kilos. You know, fair play. That's not a, takes definitely takes some training to do that. If you train your, you want to get stronger and you train your deadlift with 50 kilos, it's just a little bit too easy. You're just, your body is too comfortable. It's not really having to try hard enough to get stronger. So in order to train it, you're going to need a little bit more weight, let's say like maybe 75, 80, even 85 kilos, you know? But what will happen is then because it's hard, you're just more limited in how many times you can do that safely and effectively with enough intent, with enough quality, all these things that, you know, as coaches, as you get more advanced, you start seeing more, reading more about like velocity and stuff. I won't get into that here. That's a, that's quite a a kettle of fish in itself, but um, you're going for, you know, you need quality sets. You're probably talking about anywhere from three to five reps there. So that's your strength training. Those sets of three to five with a little bit more resistance. Hypertrophy, what you're trying to do is just, as we touched on back in like episodes one and two, really was to get bigger, you know, may have bigger muscles, which is great. And there's a whole host of health benefits for that. Absolutely. That's a great goal to have. We often associate it with the idea of, you know, big bodybuilders, you know, who are trying to, you know, get as big as possible, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, if you look at a lot of athletes will have some hypertrophy or bodybuilding style training in their program because it's going to build bigger muscles, but it also supports, you know, healthier and bigger and stronger connective tissue, tendons and ligaments and that makes you less prone to injury you know which is huge it just supports how well you can continue this journey for as long and as safely as possible and that training again it needs to be tough enough to challenge to challenge you but now you're challenging uh you're challenging yourself differently we're talking about challenging a muscle versus challenging your nervous system you know challenging your nervous system with strength and again apologies to everybody for just touching on these things but they are kind of t- big topics so i don't want to dive into the, all those rabbit holes so when you go for your hypertrophy that's where you're now doing sets probably around even like five to six can stimulate a little bit of hypertrophy and i'll touch on why i I'll touch on why it's important that i mentioned that five to six number out even as far as 12 15 kind of even maybe even up to 20 but obviously bigger volumes here much much bigger volumes and that's where you're going to because you're moving for bigger volumes you're not going to be able to use as much intensity safely it's just a a trade-off that you naturally make totally fine and that's what you're going to do now when you're training for endurance if you're training muscular endurance in the gym you're talking 15 plus reps really and again much much less intensity but now we're looking at volume You know, there's a lot of volume there because that's really what endurance is. You know, the best explanation I had of endurance, I was on an internship and a coach there made such a clarifying comment to me where he said endurance is repeatability. Conditioning is repeatability. Just being able to do a thing the same way over and over and over and over. You know, when we look at great runners, if you look at uh, like great marathon runners, their steps, their stride looks the same over and over and over you know the, the, that's kind of what endurance is so when you're doing training how can we manipulate your body to produce more force than it's used to but over and over and over so you're doing a lot of reps probably less sets because you're just doing so many reps but because you're doing that many reps because you're doing that much volume the intensity is going to come down so hopefully That wasn't too complex and hopefully that kind of makes sense kind of helps in people understanding the differences in how we train for strength hypertrophy and endurance
0: i think it absolutely does and the spectrum example is uh, or analogy is the best way to put it because and that repeatability that your 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 coach on your internship that's another fantastic way to put it strength training in that strength rep range is it's very hard to repeat those things you may only be able to repeat them Three to five times, and then have to rest a considerable amount of time before reapproaching the barbell or reapproaching that exercise. where Whereas a muscular endurance on the other end of the spectrum is something you should be able to repeat multiple times, dozens of times, perhaps even hundreds of times. In the example of a runner, uh, while absorbing that force and being able to actually get that that high level volume with that lower level intensity. So I think it is a it's it's a fantastic answer you've given, and I think that spectrum is a is a really easy way to understand it. These concepts that we're discussing, obviously, the the elephant in the room in all of these conversations in part one and two is that we're currently living in a world where gyms are not guaranteed. We may not have access to a gym. These concepts that we're talking about, strength training in particular, can you strength train on your own at home? Is minimal kind of kit, minimal equipment, is it still something that we can pursue as people in our homes, the sort of strength training from home?
1: I would say, yeah, you definitely can. Now, there are caveats to that. I'm not going to pretend like there isn't. You know, I'm not going to be here like, yeah, just, you know, train. It's about how bad you want it, motivation. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 not as easy. It's not as easy doing it from home. Probably because we're just used to having all that equipment. We've had to adjust and adjust pretty rapidly, even now, like a year on. But um, yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely doable. It's just going to look different. Now, first of all, like I said, a huge number of our clientele are on a weight loss or fat loss journey. And then with those people in mind, again, depending on where you are, depending on how strong you are, if you're someone who doesn't have a huge reserve of strength, you can absolutely get stronger by you know training at home. And again, that may mean you might have to re-examine how you've been defining strength. Have you been solely focused on weight and intensity like we were talking about like force have you been not considering maybe range of motion or have you not been considering movement quality as much now that you've kind of built up that foundation you know there's a few other ways to skin that cat in terms of getting stronger and that's something you may have to consider if we're just being fair and being honest you may have to Slightly adapt what you're hoping to achieve, especially if you're someone who has built up quite a reserve of strength. Let's say you're an individual who can, who has been training in the gym for a while, and you can back squat twice your body weight. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that putting a mini band around your knees and doing body weight squats is going to make your squat stronger, because that would just be a flagrant lie. But what I can say is that there's probably stuff you can do that will support that squat maybe you just didn't think about like when was the last time you attempted for this individual to build up a the ability to do a pistol squat, you know, which is squatting all the way down on one foot with good technique, nice flat back, you know, balanced weight on your foot and being able to draw being able to sit all the way down, hip well below the knee, and then stand up nice and tall, maintaining your balance in that position. You know, if you're like how well can you do your push ups, you know, for upper body strength? Are they really good? You know, so those are things we can consider as well as that. You probably don't need as much equipment as you thought, you know, like just challenging some movements, you know, using resistance bands, we can challenge pulling variations. We can add those onto different variations. Like for our members at home who all have a a long resistance band, like that red band, our green mini band, and then maybe a dumbbell or a kettlebell. There's actually a lot you can get out of those. You know, you can get a little bit creative and as coaches, we can help you do that. But it might mean, for instance, challenging more single-sided variations some more unilateral exercises like we said in a previous post so your split squats we've been all doing lo- tons of split squats in our program people are probably sick of it but there's a reason because we can get you stronger on split squats you know because it's only one leg so we can produce more force on that leg and we can balance out maybe the discrepancies and strength you might have had from one side to the other We can do the same with our upper body with single arms rows, single sided presses. If we have, if we can do that, that's great. You might also have resistance at home. You didn't think of, I've seen loads of people on social media using like a bag filled with books. That's not ideal. It's a pretty, like, it's an awkward object, but again, that's like, you know, it's not an ideal situation. We might have to fill up a bag with books to hit some rows or to put it on our back and do some squats. You know, it's not great it's you know we'd all love to be in our nice clean gym you know using all of our nice clean equipment but for now we might have to get a little bit more creative and find some other ways to get stronger so yes you can absolutely strength train at home i'm gonna you know it's it's not easy i know especially in the first lockdown even myself though something i definitely struggled with training from home i know even psychologically it's gonna be very very tough for people. But it is absolutely doable. If we really commit to it, really give it our best effort, you can strength train from home.
0: That's, uh, I guess it's just looking at those different markers of how to how to tax your system, how to create those adaptions like we talked about in part one. If we can't add the load, we need to add, like you say, a little bit more movement quality, maybe tempo, unilateral work. It, mm. is, it is definitely doable. And even for someone like yourself, Ian and myself, who have been training from home, um, you, you really do realize the, the variety at play and it's something that's going to I think inform our decisions when we do step back into gym and, and it certainly did after the very first lockdown when we were we were open during the summer it, it it informed a lot of our decisions that there are these variations and ways of training that we may not have considered before because we were spoiled we we never we never considered that we wouldn't have our deadlift bars and we wouldn't have our chin-up bars and our racks so it's a, it's a great way and it's it's encouraging for anyone at home who's either a member of NikeFit or or not who's thinking oh well this is all well and good but Sherlock sure, gyms aren't going to be open until whenever I'm I'm just struggling I'm I'm not able to train at home I only have this and I only have that It's like well maybe flip the script a little bit and look at what you only have and turn it into well what do I have I've got one dumbbell and I've got one kettlebell what can I do with that and there's there's a plethora of things that can be done and, and you can absolutely make progress mm-hmm. so I think just from just from my point of view uh, listening to Ian speak over the last three podcasts it's been extremely informative I hope uh, you guys, the listeners, uh, have felt the same thing because it's just been uh, really, really a lot of dense information put really well by, by Coach Ian. Thank you so much for coming on and being so clear. Uh, your expertise just kind of flows from you. It's very easy to listen to, and uh, and I really wanted to thank you for, for coming on.
1: appreciate the kind words, man, and your own expertise definitely was great to bounce off of there. made some very insightful points as well, so fair play to you.
0: Thank you, Ian. Thank you. And uh, we will be, uh, um, Katie will be coming onto the podcast to interview a few guests. I will also be doing the same over the next few weeks and months. This podcast is going to be growing and growing. We'll be talking to Ian again at some point. Uh, I will be joining you. Coach Katie will be joining you. All along the way will be producer Danielle. Shout out to her once again. Her work behind the scenes makes uh, my job ridiculously easy. So thank you, Danielle. And um, we will catch you on the next episode of the Nickfist Studios podcast.
1: Take care, everybody.